Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Something that's been on my heart this week is that I would like to talk to you about the faithfulness of God. So if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and my message today is entitled, God is Faithful. Let's go ahead and pray as we always do when we open God's Word together. Father, we thank you for your Word, and Lord, we know that you are at work in our world right now. We are facing something that we maybe have never seen, both in uh, in terms of the infectiousness of a virus, but also the fear and the panic and the fact that we're all shut down. We've not been here before personally. And so, Lord, what I ask is, is that you would speak to our hearts, that you would prune us in this season so that we could be fruitful in the season that is to come. I pray, God, for your blessing over everyone at Northwest Church. I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would give us vision, that you would unify our hearts, and that, Lord, you would draw us close to you. We desire to know you, to be more like you. Use this time, Lord, for your glorious purposes. I pray for health and for healing over all of us in our families. I pray, Lord, that the coronavirus would cease. Lord, we pray that that this infection would stop, that this disease would come to nothing, Lord. We pray that it would stop right where it is, and we continue to push back on it. And we thank you, Lord, that you're hearing us and that you're mindful of your people. You're mindful of people all over this world. And so we ask you, Lord, that you would show up in a mighty way. Today, would you pour out your Holy Spirit, and would you inspire and instruct us? Would you encourage us and equip us? We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so we pray today, God, that you would use your word to direct us in this time, and we thank you that you will. In Jesus' mighty name, and all of God's people at Northwest Church said, amen. I didn't hear it, but I know that it was said in your homes, in your car, or wherever you might be. I've been thinking quite a bit about the faithfulness of God, especially in a season like this, and I wanted to share with you out of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to define what faithful actually means. And I hope this message, what it does is it helps our hearts to have the right disposition as we look to the Lord, knowing who he is and what he's like. It's very important that we have an accurate view of God. And as we do, we know we can ascribe faithfulness as a part of his character. And isn't that good to know through this season that this is actually who God really is? The word faithful, when we're talking about a person, means that a person is true to one's word, promises, or vows. It means they're reliable and they're trustworthy. They're dependable, they're believable, they're devoted, and they're steady in allegiance. Now, surely God is all of these things and so much more, especially when you think of the scope of who he is, the things that he has said in his word. The writers of scripture again and again, tell us that God is faithful because that was their experience. We see Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and many other chapters in Deuteronomy. They're at the tail end of their wilderness experience. The children of Israel have been delivered by God's mighty hand out of 
Egypt and slavery, and they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses is giving us this final dissertation to the new generation that has been raised up in the wilderness before they go into the promised land and face the blessings and the trials and all that sets before them. Moses in Deuteronomy 7 reminds the children of Israel that their God, Yahweh, has been faithful time and again. And he wanted them to be mindful of that as they went into the promised land, that the same God that moved them from slavery in Egypt into the wilderness, sustained them, took care of them, is the same God that's going to be faithful to them all throughout their, their future, where they're going. We see in Psalm 36, Psalm 36 verse 5, where David says, your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens and your faithfulness to the skies. This illustrative language where David is saying that God's faithfulness is as far as the eye can see. It's infinite. God is faithful because it's who he is. You see the book of the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and they continue to refer to God as the faithful one throughout their writings. And of course, the apostle Paul, who we'll be looking at today in 2 Timothy 2, he actually reminds the churches, he wrote 13 letters of the New Testament, and he reminds them that God is faithful to his word. And he's talking to a lot of people who are undergoing verbal and physical persecution, especially when the church was scattered. They begin to thrive in the book of Acts, and the church is scattered because of persecution at times. Paul sends out his letters. He reminds them that the God and Father of their Lord Jesus Christ is faithful, and the things that he has promised, he will fulfill. And we need to be reminded of that today, that God does not change. His words are true. He is completely and totally re reliable, and everything else might be changing around us, the physical landscape, the cultural landscape around us. We call that progression sometimes, and really a lot of what's called progressive thinking hasn't really gotten us that far. The things around us change all the time, but you know what doesn't change? God and his word. God is going to fulfill every promise that is written in this book, and we need to be sure of that. We need to know that this book is not just texts on a page. It's not like any other book. This book is the word of life. It's the word of truth. It is absolutely 100% true, and we will find that to be the case in our life, just like we see the writers of Scripture did as well. God doesn't change, and God does not lie. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says about Jesus Christ that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a concept that we teach, a theological concept about God's character, one of his attributes. It's called the immutability of God in that he does not change. We might change. People are fickle in terms of the contrast between us and God. We realize just how true God is. See, you've lived enough life to know that people change. We make decisions. We might live by our feelings, but isn't it good to know as we walk through whatever we're going through right now that the one that we're following doesn't change? He doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind. When we put our hope, our faith, and our trust in him, it's always a sure deal. Now, you could say amen to that because we need to know that when the landscape gets a lot different and we don't know how to navigate through these uncharted territories. We're following somebody that already sees the end from the beginning, and he's faithful to all that he has promised us before we ever got into this situation, before we ever got into the boat, before we ever started to, to, to traverse these waters 
waters. God is faithful in his leadership over our lives and his promises over our lives. I love talking to those that have walked with the Lord for a long time and been faithful to him. I love how they just, re, they just make the comment about God's faithfulness over the period of years that they've walked with him. It's, it's amazing how you make things a lot more simple. It gets complicated at first, like how is this going to happen and what's going to go on? And I've never been in this situation before. But when you've lived enough life, and I love talking to people that are a lot farther than I am, and they just simplify it. Hey, God's going to come through. It sounds like a Christian cliche. It sounds like a quote that isn't very encouraging, but the reality is for those that have walked with God long enough, they know that it is actually that simple that the God that they're following actually will come through. He really is true to his word. He actually is faithful. And yeah, this situation might be difficult, whatever it is that we find ourselves in, but they simplify it because they know that whatever they've walked through, God has been right there. And isn't that encouraging today? I love how this is truth for us. It's food for our soul. We need to know this, and it absolutely is the case you turn to your Bibles in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm just going to read to you verse 8 through 13, and, and here's, here's what it says in 2 Timothy. Here's verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And listen to this, for he cannot deny himself. In other words, it is literally who he is, and he cannot stop being who he is. Now, just a little context of this passage, we know that the Apostle Paul wrote this. It's his second letter to his true son in the faith, Timothy. Scholars believe this is the last, probably the final letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, and he's writing it in prison. It's one of the prison epistles. His life had drastically changed at this point. Not only is he in prison, but he believes from, we read this from chapter four, that he is facing a certain death. He says to Timothy that my life is being poured out as a drink offering. It seems to us that he knows that he is about to die. And you know, when a person is about to die, the things that they say tend to be some of the most important things that they want people to know. For one reason or another, almost all of Paul's associates in ministry had left him except for Luke. And so he's dealing with the situation that he's in in prison. He's dealing with the betrayal that he's experienced among his companions. He's obviously been through serious difficulty with all that he's walked out, being shipwrecked, being beaten, being persecuted, left for dead many times. He's writing to young Timothy in the faith, and he actually says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the, the chapter before this, he says to him, do, do not be afraid. You have not received a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And the reason that he said that to Timothy is because Timothy was probably afraid. 
It wasn't just an encouragement without context. Timothy was probably fearful. Timothy also watched Paul be in chains. Timothy also watched people betray the faith. Timothy's also experiencing persecution. He's in a place that he's never been before. And so Paul wanted to tell him, don't be afraid because the same God that you chose to follow and give your life to is the same God that will fulfill his word even when it doesn't look like it. Paul has seen it all. He's gone through suffering and healing, lack and abundance, salvation, and he's experienced the apostasy of many. And he wants Timothy to know the things that I think will also encourage us today. And there are just three things I want to talk to you about when it comes to God being faithful. And the first is God is faithful to his word. And we read here where Paul says, remember Jesus Christ as he rose from the dead victorious, Remember this, knowing that Jesus' suffering was not in vain. He says, while I am in prison, the word of God is not in prison because God will fulfill his word. And I think the reason that he said this was because you can imagine it looks like in the situation, Paul is in chains, Paul is about to die. He reflects back on Jesus and when Jesus walked through his death. And on the outside, it looked like his death was a failure, when actually it was the fulfillment of God's word. It was the faithfulness of God to perform his word according to the obedience of his son. And Paul is reminding Timothy of the same thing. Timothy, do not look at these chains as though somehow this is a failure. Our gospel, the one that we've believed in, has not failed. Just because the situation looks dire, just because this looks like maybe something opposite of what we thought would happen, does not mean that the word of God is imprisoned. The word of God, the purpose of God, the promise of God is not imprisoned. It will abound. It will be fulfilled. And isn't that kind of an amazing thing for the situations that we're in right now? Many of us are quarantined. We can't go about life like we once did. We can't gather in sanctuaries all across our region, all across our country today. We're, we, we, we're in a territory we've never been before. We don't know what to think right now, but don't you know that the word of God is not imprisoned? That people can say that we don't have prayer in schools and the Bible in schools. You can't cancel out prayer. You can't stop the word of God. People cannot stop what God wants to do because what God said is true and always will be true. And this is a season where Paul reminded Timothy, and I believe his words remind us, that in all of the differences that we're experiencing or the difficulty that we're walking out, God's word is not in prison. He is absolutely faithful to what he said he will do. Regardless of what Paul suffered or what we suffer, the word is reliable. God is faithful to all his promises, but we need to know his word. Certainly, we're facing a pandemic, but I also think as the people of God, we're facing an epidemic as well. And you know what that is? It's that the people of God do not always know the word of God. And to me, that is a very serious epidemic that we need to reverse. We've got to change. We've got to make sure that you and I know the word. Because hear me when I say this, God is faithful to his word, but he's not faithful to our desires per se. He's not faithful to what our flesh wants. He is not faithful to what we think the Bible says. He is faithful to what it actually says, which means that we are responsible to know the word, to sow the word, to grow by the word, to pray the word, and to prophesy his word. And maybe we don't realize how true God and his word is 
is and how faithful God is because we might have grown up in a home where we've been warned and there's been empty threats. You know, the, the quintessential parent, the typical parent that will say, hey, if you do that one more time, I'm going to make sure that I take the door off of, off of your bedroom. I'm going to take your mattress. You know, just the warnings, right? And hey, I'm going to count to three. And if you don't stop what you're doing, then you're going to get grounded for 16 years. One, seven, 25, will you just stop? Will you just knock it off? You know, I mean, it's just that person that can't follow through with their word. And maybe we were raised up under that and it's affected us. Maybe you were raised with your grandparents or a one-parent home and you had that other parent out there somewhere or, or maybe somebody was raising you that constantly made promises to you and said, hey, I'm gonna do this for you for your birthday. Hey, I'm gonna do this. This is what we're gonna do for vacation. Hey, I'm gonna come see you. And they just don't come through. And so you have empty threats and you have empty promises. And this does actually affect us. But can I tell you something today? God is not like that. He does not lie. He doesn't give empty threats. The warnings in the book are true. All right? The warnings in the book are true. But here's the other thing. The promises in the book are true. The blessings in the book are true. That's why we want to know what it says. We've got to make sure that we are standing on his word. Then we can trust and rely that the faithfulness of God will always come through. I've been through situations along with my wife as we've been raising our kids. We know what the word says. We know that the word says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they won't depart. We know the word says that salvation is not just a promise for you, but also for your household, Acts chapter 2. We know that the Bible says to raise your children up in the admonition of the Lord, and we, we know that there's a promise of God over the household. We raised our kids. We've, we're raising our, our younger kids like that today. We know that God's promise will be true over their, over their lives, but that does not mean that God will not make intercessors out of the parents in the process. He certainly will. And if you haven't come to this situation yet, you will, or you may, or at least you're friends with people that are, and you need to pray that through because there are times where your kids, when they get of age and they get to make their choices about the path and the direction that they're going to go down, there are times, and I, I hope this isn't true for the majority of us or any of us, but we had one of our, well, both two of our kids started going down the wrong road and it grieved us. It was deep grief in our hearts. And we began to fast and pray and do what we only knew how to do. We, we felt like we were helpless. We felt like we didn't have control because we couldn't make our kids do what we knew they should do because walking with God, the the obedient life is the blessed life. God made us. He created us. He gave us a purpose. Outside of that, we're just wandering around trying to figure out life. And we, we were watching them walk the path of destruction. We were watch, watching them hurt themselves and hurt other people. We were pleading with them. We were praying before God. And we found that our hearts were deeply in grief. But you know what? Maybe not in a month, maybe not in six months, for, for one of them, it took two years, but we prayed that kid through and we saw God be faithful to his word. We saw God begin to move in their life. We saw God surround them with a Christian witness. Come on, we saw God bring the gospel to them again and again. We saw God give them dreams and visions. We saw God help them and comfort them when they hit rock bottom. We saw God move and so will you. God is faithful. We are not just praying and it bounces off the ceiling and comes down to the floor. We are praying to an almighty God who hears us and is faithful to his word. And this is so important for us to remember, but I want to make sure 
that it's his word that we're understanding and not our own desires. And we, we've received this scripture from many of you in our church family during this time. It's a scripture that's come to us, especially in, in difficult seasons. And that scripture is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And this is what it reads. If my people, God says, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I, I read this and I think sometimes we misinterpret it, right? We know that God is faithful to his word, that that promise is true. But he says really clearly if, if his people, sometimes we want the world to be less like the world. And we think that that's the way that change is going to come in our society. But that's not actually what the word says. The word says, if my people will humble themselves and they will pray and they will seek my face and they will turn from their wicked ways. See, all of the comments that we can make, all of the posts, the negative posts and criticisms that we can give against our world and our world system just reveals that maybe it is we're expecting God to do something that we're not participating in. God calls us to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways. Let me ask you a question. Is that what's on your heart right now when you think about our government, when you think about the world, when you think about people that are unregenerate, that don't know Jesus? Sometimes we're on the wrong side of what God's word has called us to be on. And we're over here judging the world for being the world. Listen, the world is drinking the poison, okay? And we are sitting here with the cure, and it is time for us to seek his face, to pray, and to turn from our wicked ways so that we could give the cure to the world, knowing that he's the bringer of solutions. And as we step into God's word, turning away from our wickedness, God will heal our land, this is what we believe. I'm not waiting for the world to get it together. I'm not waiting for the world to act righteously. I am not waiting for the world to look like Jesus because Jesus looks like Jesus and he calls his people to do the same. And so what we do as the people of God is lift each other up. Listen, reach up 1,000. Are we entering into prayer together? That's the whole point of us putting an initiative together is to say we've got to do something. We as the people of God are connected to all Almighty God. It's, it's time that we just stop waiting for the government to do for us what only Jesus can do. He is the transformation agent in our world, and let's put all of our trust, let's put all of our reliance upon the only one that is dependable and has power over all things right now. This is got to be our word. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and Turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. We may not be in charge, but we have a responsibility. We really do. Those that have the connection, those that have been given a place of authority, those that have been given God's ear, we have a responsibility before God. He is faithful to his word and we know his word and that's what it says. I want God to heal our land. And I believe that's going to happen as we come and as we pray together. However it is that we do it, wherever it is that we do it. Let's not sit back passively. This is not a time to just judge from the couch. This is a time to stand in prayer. That's what this time is all about. God is faithful to his word, but also God is faithful to his people. Look what Paul said here in verse 11 through 13. 
It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Paul clearly recognizes the part that we play in these verses by using the terminology of if. However, I don't think this is a negative spin. When Paul wrote this to Timothy, he was not trying to just warn him and saying, hey, if you don't endure, you're not going to reign. And if you deny him, he's going to deny you. The point of the passage is to encourage Timothy, if you endure, guess what? You're going to reign. If you press in, you're going to see something happen. This is what he was encouraging him with. It wasn't, sometimes we look at the negative side of the verse, and I'm not suggesting we don't want to look at the warnings. We do. They're there for a reason. But we automatically can tend to go to the negative instead of seeing the promise. And that's what this is all about. God is faithful to his people as his people are seeking to walk out his word. We know this because God has constantly done this. It says in Romans, I believe, chapter 5, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He died for us in the middle of that epitomized state that we were in. We were dead in our sins and our transgressions. There was nothing that we could do to earn God's favor and to get his love. We couldn't do anything on our behalf in order to get from God. He had to do something so that we could receive from him and be transformed. God is giving us promises. God is showing us that he loves us, that he's merciful to us, that he's faithful to us. He's faithful to his people. He has done everything that he could possibly do to bring us to the place where we would respond to him. And as we walk with him in Jesus Christ, we find that God continues to beckon us to come. He draws our hearts because of his loving kindness. The Bible says that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. The kindness and the goodness of God brings out of us the reality that how, of how faithful he actually is to us. Here's the thing though, is sometimes we have a disillusionment. Sometimes we wonder where God is. Sometimes we wonder why God isn't being faithful in our process and in our journey. And that can happen because we're not understanding who God is and what God is like in the moment that we find ourselves in. One of the situations that I find myself in, I would say often enough, not all the time, but often enough, is in particular, I'll have a man who will come to me and maybe he's committed adultery, he's been living in an affair and either he's gotten found out or he actually owned up to it and shared it with his wife. And now they're in a separation and the conflict is very real. He sits with me in my office, he tells me the story with pain in his heart, with tears in his eyes. He wants to get right with God, and so we pray together. He gets his heart right with God. He gives his life back to Jesus. He, he repents from his sin, and all of that's great. And then we begin to pray for reconciliation in his marriage. But here's what I have learned. When I first started praying with people in that situation, I would just go for it. Let's pray for, reconcili let's pray for reconciliation, for God to restore and do what only he can do. But I've realized over the years that sometimes when people hit a rock bottom, they're not seeking God to seek God. They're seeking God to get back what they lost and not experience consequences. And what happens when we get into a situation like that is we can have a very serious disillusionment. 
and we can actually put God on trial, like his character is in contempt because he's not doing what we're asking him to do. See, God, you're not faithful to me because now that I've turned my heart to you, you're not restoring my marriage. But see, you know what it is? It's overlooking our serious responsibility and the reality that we have consequences for our sin. God does not always take the consequences of our sin. He's not going to do that all the time. But you know what's amazing is is we lose something as a result of what we've done, and then we blame God for the consequence or for him not changing the scenario because we finally turn to him and we say, well, see, you're not who you say you are. You're not faithful to me like the word says. The word's not really true. And we're overlooking God's given us eternal life. We're overlooking that he was waiting there to receive us. We're overlooking that God gives mercies that are new every morning. We're overlooking that his kindness leads us to repentance, that the whole time we were doing what we were doing, God was crying, God was grieving, God was drawing, God was convicting, but we were not listening. And now after we've turned and we've given our hearts to him, we're gonna, we're gonna say that he's not the one that's faithful. Listen, that's a disillusionment. That's not God at all. And here's the deal. I'm not trying to harp on anybody today. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just trying to say, we've got to look at the magnificent one. We've got to look at the supremacy of Christ, the one that came in in our worst condition and he died for us. He gave his life for us. This thing is bigger than just us getting what we want or getting out of our consequences. This is eternal life. He is 100% faithful to everything that he said. But that does not mean that we always get what we want. That does not mean that we will not go through life without consequences. And we've got to own that. And a true repentance is where we humble ourselves and seek God and turn from our wicked ways. And yeah, we might live with consequences, but you know what? We will never live without the presence of God when we turn to him. Isn't that amazing? We know what God is like because we see it in the story of the prodigal son. The father never changed. The father stayed where he was. The father was still wanting his son back, no matter what his son did in squandering the inheritance. And when the son was ready to come back, the father was He had his arms wide open. God is always the same, but it doesn't mean that we are. And we've got to rightly place the blame. But as we do that, we don't have to sink down in the mire of our sin. We know that Jesus will forgive us, but we cannot put the consequences on him as though for some reason he's not faithful to his people. That's just not the case. Do not allow disillusionment to take your view of who God actually is. The devil is the one that's highly invested in changing who God is in our minds so that when we look at him or when we seek to interpret what he's like, we don't see the person that the scriptures actually teach. Let's break that lie and walk with God and live in his presence like we were created to. I can think of times like in 2006, I was a real estate agent at the time and In that time, that's when the market really crashed. You'll remember, it's where it started, but it actually went all the way up to 2008, and that's where everything just crumbled. Banks were going bankrupt. The car companies were going out of business. I mean, the the stock market starts to go low. Unemployment was at an all-time high. You guys remember this season of time. There was a big government bailout, and we're kind of going right into a season that's for a different reason, but a very serious economic struggle is what we were dealing with. And I was a real estate agent at the time. 2006, I was okay, seven. But as things started to crumble, 
my wife and I and our family, we were hit pretty hard as well because the real estate industry was seriously not functional at that time. People weren't getting loans. People didn't want to buy houses. Um, the market was going so low. It, it was affordable, but, but with the loss of jobs, it just wasn't smoking hot like it once was when I first started. And I had, before I'd gotten in real estate, I'd always wanted this car. I wanted this Nissan Maxima. It was white. It had that camel leather. I really, I wanted, I wanted this car. I had a relative that had the car. And so as a kid, I wanted that car. I had a few cars, but this I was always looking forward to having. And so I was pretty successful in real estate up until that time. And I remember I bought the car. I, I had the car. And as things started to get worse and worse and worse, I remember just praying because I had no clients. I'm like, God, provide for us. You know, your word says in Matthew chapter six and many other places that you're our provider, that you'll provide for us, Lord, and everything's dried up. And we were actually at a place where we didn't have enough money for the month. Bridget and I have gone through that a few times in our, in our history early on. And so I'm praying and I'm like, Lord, provide. And I remember sitting or standing in my dining room and I'm looking out the window to this car that I'd love so much. You know, I just love the car and the family loves the car. It's the car I always wanted. And I had this thought go through my mind, God has already provided for me. And I knew what that meant. I knew that I'm praying for God to give me what I need on top of what I already have. And instead, he gives me the idea, I want you to sell your car, and that will float you guys for the amount of time that you need to. And so I actually sold the car, and I had an incredible encounter with the people that I sold it to. It was amazing how I got a witness to them about Jesus. I even prayed for them, and we had the power of the Holy Spirit show up in the test drive. It was awesome. Well, they sold, I sold the car to them for a really great amount of money. And, uh, and I bought a car that was less than half of that, and I just drove that around for the next two years, and I got used to that, and it was a fine car. It worked. Um, but that money lasted us for at least four or five months, I don't remember entirely, until I started to get more work. And that was the provision of the Lord. And I just wanted to remind you in this season that sometimes when we think of God being faithful to his people, when we think of who God is and what God is like, we can be praying the whole time. We're like, God, you know, you, you say in your word that you're faithful, right? And I don't, I don't have the money right now. I don't see where it's going to come from. But there are times where we've got to be reminded that God was providing for us in the last season in order to dispense it in the current season. See, I've watched how sometimes we've been able to live in abundance, but that hasn't actually affected our present. And so we're looking at God and we're like, you're not providing for me, but we might actually have the means by which he has already provided for us. There are all these stories in the Bible where that was actually the case. We look at the story of Joseph where he actually became second in command in all of Egypt right next to Pharaoh, and they had seven years of abundance and seven years that were lean and they stored up in seven in order to have it in the lean years. And I just want to remind you that God's faithfulness to you and I may actually come on the heels of the last season of abundance. And it's really important that we don't miss what maybe God has done in order to set up what God will do. Instead of looking at him and asking for his provision in, in abundance, Maybe he's just going to give us enough to make it, which is exactly what God does. He cares for us, he provides for us, and he will because that's what his word says. Be encouraged, my friends. God is faithful to his people. He will do what he said he will do. We also see in this passage 
that God is faithful to his character. Paul says it like this, if we are faithless, then he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. This isn't Paul's way of saying that our response doesn't matter, but it's an exaltation of the truth of God's character being never changing. This is what God is like. He is always true to his character, and his character is what I'm saying, is that God is faithful, meaning he is dependable, he is reliable, he is always true. God's word, his promises are a sure deal. We can place all of our faith, all of our hope, and all of our expectation into his word, being his people, knowing his character. This is the one that we're following. Aren't you glad that you're following one who does not lie? He does not deviate. He does not hide from his truth. He does not say, oops, I didn't see this one coming. He already knew every situation in our life. He already knew the end from the beginning. He's already seen it. And right now, he has an answer for each one of us. He's calling us to look up. Look up from where our, to where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God knows. God has an answer. God is faithful to us. Let me ask you the question, are you resting in the faithfulness of God today or are you resisting the faithfulness of God? Do not allow the enemy to steal your view of God. Do not allow the circumstances to make God's character be in contempt in your mind. Know today, according to his word, that God is true, to, that, God is true that God is faithful. There is um, someone from our church that shared a prophetic word with me, and I just want to share it with you just as a church family. And it, they said this, they said, for during this time that we're in, I saw a fairly wide road that represents Northwest Church and all that we do. And we are moving at a good pace for our size. Fairly quickly, the road narrowed and the pace quickened considerably. It seemed like we were being streamlined for a faster pace in the future. And this is the word. This is the prophetic word. I, I believe that's actually the case, is that we were moving forward and everything was good. And then all of a sudden, the situation that we're in right now, it sort of narrowed that road and we're running quicker than we've ever run. I believe God has set us up for the time that we're in. And I'm not suggesting that any collateral damage was necessary. I'm just simply saying as a church, God has called us together to make a dent in this city and in this region to advance the kingdom of God, to exalt the gospel of the Lord Jesus and his supremacy. And I believe we're going to do that and we're going to be effective. That what we're built upon is so true and so strong, we are going to find out how fruitful it really is in this season together. It's why our hearts must be united and rallied around the mission of Christ right here and right now. This word is true. God is pruning us. You might feel that right now. God is pruning you. He's pruning stuff in our marriage. He's pruning stuff in our home. He's pruning stuff in our parenting. He's pruning the way we live. He's pruning how we see life so that we could be fully and completely on board with his plan. And I believe we will be. I believe we're going to come out of this season and we're going to experience a revival. We have been praying for revival. We have been asking God for revival. And the package that it's going to come in never looks like we want it to, ever. It never comes the easy way. It comes on the heels of difficulty. And I have found that on the heels of difficulty are sometimes 
the greatest moments in my life, the greatest advances in my life. And I believe we're going to find that to be true as a church family. I have some prophetic words that I want to share with you as I pray over every service. The Lord gives to me these types of words, and I just want to be faithful to share what I believe I'm hearing. And in no way am I saying, thus saith the Lord to you. I just simply want to be faithful to share what I sensed during worship and prior to that. The first word that I had is I saw a vision of somebody that had um, hands around their neck, and it was like their voice was choked out. Their voice in prayer, their voice in being able to articulate their feelings and where they're at. And this is who you are. You feel like somebody right now, you've become voiceless. You don't know what to say. You don't feel like you can say it. You lost your articulation. Feel like the wind has just gotten knocked out of you. You feel like you don't even want to pray. You don't know how to pray. You're you're in a a place that might feel quite confusing. And here's what I want to say to you. God is going to give you your voice back. God is going to help you get out those things that are inside you, the feelings that you need to share, the thoughts that are in you, that stuff that's just broiling. It's boiling inside you. God is going to help you get that out. And he's going to show you how in this season that you can pray, how in this season that you can grow. He's going to give you your voice back. In fact, right now, anybody that's listening to me and you feel like this word is for you, you feel like you've been choked. And I just pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. We take authority over any lie. We take authority over the enemy. We take authority over the power of a circumstance that's trying to remove our voice and take from us what God has given to us. Right now, be free in the name of the Lord Jesus and because of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be free today. Amen. I saw somebody and you have an elderly mother and they're living in um, a type of care home. I don't know what kind. And you're really concerned for them, not just about COVID-19, but it's probably brought up all kinds of feelings of disconnection that you have with your mother. And this could be for a husband and wife, it could be for a man or a woman, but I know that it's an elderly mother in this place and you're concerned and it's bringing out of you feelings and emotions you haven't had for a long time or maybe you haven't had at all. And I just simply wanna say that God first wants to comfort you, but this is a season that I believe the Holy Spirit will direct you to whether on the phone or in person, whenever that might be, is to build quality memories that you can look back upon. Legacy is very important. And part of that legacy is built on the memories that we make with people in quality relationship. I believe the Lord is directing you to build quality memories in this season before it it is not possible. And I just simply wanna encourage you with that, that you can smile because God will allow that to happen. I also had the name, uh, not Sandra, but Sandra came to my mind. And here's what I sense in my heart. The Lord is bringing healing to you in Jesus' name. I just pray over you right now for healing. There's almost just been, uh, you're overwhelmed and you need healing in your body. You need rest. You need sleep. You need to be able to make it through the night. So right now in Jesus' name, I pray for the healing power of the Holy Spirit to be released over you in Jesus' mighty name. And lastly, I want to pray over allergies, not just, uh, I mean, we may, many of us probably have them, but these allergies, I noticed as I was praying, you're suffering loss of sleep, fatigue, and it's real difficult 
in your day to do what you need to do. Allergies have overtaken you. And so right now, I just want to pray for you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that where allergies have just overtaken people, where it's not just a little sniffle, it's not just something Claritin can take care of, but it's serious. I pray right now, Lord, that you would bring healing to them in Jesus' name. We ask that you would mitigate the pain and the loss of sleep. Lord, we, we speak rest over them. We speak peace over them, and we speak healing from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. We pray for your testimony of your healing power over our church. And we thank you that you're the great physician. We thank you, Lord, today that you're the one that we look to, and we know that you are true. We know that you are faithful, and we know that you are going to do what you said you will do. We believe in you, we trust in you, and we rely upon you in Jesus' mighty name. And Northwest Church said, amen. As you go, be strengthened by God's word, be filled with God's spirit, be mindful of God's voice, Be focused on his mission as we bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. God bless you, Northwest Church. I miss you, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. And while you're there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.